0: I'm Jess. And I'm George. And this
1: is Transpantastic, a podcast about gender, identity, orientation, and all the life that happens around it. Mostly over it, I think. We try to come up with which gendery parts of things like sort of under them, because they don't stick out as much as they used to. Yes. At least uh, as regularly as they used to.
0: They've become normalized over the years, and so we don't think of the gendery things, but how does that relate to over?
1: Um, Everything else seems to go over all the, you know, what what I just said.
0: Gender is buried down underneath when everything else is over top of it. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. See, and I was thinking over as in like way over, like over your head or way up high.
1: Oh, no, it's baked in. Well, it does seem to be that gender is baked in. For cisgendered people, they have no idea there is any gender to untangle from anything else.
0: Okay, I see where you're going. Like They're aware that
1: there is his gender and her gender, Mm -hmm. and they don't see any cross-section or intersection of that, and they don't know which parts of their belief or their life in his gender or her gender have any interaction with the rest of their life, which we noticed quite a bit, or at least I did the last week.
0: Yes, I, I, I see what you're saying because there's sort of this joke that the most trans thing you can do is wonder whether you're trans. Mm -hmm. Because if you're cis, you don't usually think about that. And, you know, there's this idea that floats around occasionally that we should normalize everyone questioning their gender. And if you settle back into the one you were assigned, then that's awesome. But we should just normalize letting everyone question their gender. But a lot of cis people just don't because it fits and they don't have to question it.
1: No, it doesn't occur to them to question it. And I would not have... I mean, I understand why it doesn't, but I would not have thought of it having questioned it all my life. And you might recall that one of my co-workers, a cisgendered lady, said at some, you know, meal celebration of somebody's whatever... Mm-hmm. that we had at work. Mm-hmm. She was trying to understand something about my knowing I was transgender. And when I tried to explain it to her from what if she couldn't gra- grapple with that, she couldn't grasp onto it because it would have never occurred to her.
0: And that's what she said is that it never would have even crossed her mind that mm-hmm. and that's how the thing, if it even crosses your mind without any external prompting, then there's a high probability that there's a reason. Well, that's
1: some kind of logic that you're using there.
0: <laughs> People don't
1: always like logic. I've explained this to you.
0: <laughs> yes. Especially our children. Yes. But... So That
1: doesn't have anything to do with their genders.
0: I don't know. It might because it is definitely a stereotypically masculine trait. I wouldn't say it's like essential because fuck gender essentialism. But I think it is more stereotypically masculine to become more stubborn about your opinion if you are shown to be wrong or asked to think about things differently. Like typically, women are perceived to be at least more open to new ideas. This Because they
1: is- get run over all the time. I just did that.
0: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but see, this is also why, like, for example, uh, they make an example of all the women-led countries having a better response to COVID-19. And they said one of the biggest reasons is that women's leadership style is open to more input. Yes. And again, this is more stereotypical, not trying to lean into gender essentialism here, but It could be some balance of estrogen brain and just the way that people are socialized in gender.
1: I can see there being components of each
0: and I mean there are definitely ways that estrogen or testosterone do affect the brain differently and anyone who has transitioned can say that like you definitely thought differently within days of your first shot mm-hmm. you yes. were you were thinking differently there were ways of processing and interacting with your own thoughts that were different within days of having had your first shot.
1: Yes, and we hear this from uh, folks who have transitioned on either end of the hormone spectrum.
0: Trans women often talk about, oh my gosh, it's so nice to just be able to feel my feelings now. And trans men are like, oh, I'm so glad I'm not being run over by my feelings now. Mm -hmm. And I think part of that is the way that hormones do affect the brain, Mm -hmm. affect the way that you interact with your own thoughts and feelings. Mm -hmm. But then that's... To me, that's validation of one's gender that it feels better to have that other way of being. Yes. Like trans women are so relieved that they can have all their feelings, whereas trans men did not want them. And again, these are sweeping generalizations. I'm not trying to essentialize or broad brush any of this. There are definitely outliers. So yeah, I think the way that our children disavow logic and get more stubborn about their feelings and not wanting to have to deal with the emotional engagement of admitting that they might have been wrong about something. They're
1: very emotional about that trying not to have emotional engagement. <laughs> they do. That's a teenager thing.
0: Yes, it is. But I think they're very gendered in their response. Like one of them gets typically teenagerly like emo about it, the estrogen-brained one. Yes, the voice goes all over the place. And And the testosterone-brained child gets angry and- Stompy. Stompy and yelly and- But he's always been like that because when he was, I think, three, I gave him the nickname Shouty McYellerson or something like that. Oh, I
1: forgot about that. (laughs) It's true. It is. Yes.
0: So, I mean, there are aspects of both that, you know, part of it is how a person is socialized and part of it is the way that hormones affect your brain processes. Mm -hmm. But speaking of how we're socialized, We had a staycation this weekend. Yes. And you were noticing the way that other people were interacting with us. I was. You were noticing these things as we were out and about as much as could be done under covid well, we do have to retrieve food. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty much all of our outings was retrieving food or going and having nature.
1: Yes, fresh air.
0: Away from other people. But speaking of social, it was when we had to retrieve food.
1: Yes. I noticed how we blend in because I just look like a dude and dude looks like a lady. And <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> and so they don't notice their reactions to us, but I do because I've seen what reactions looked like when dude looks like a lady looks like a dude, <laughs> has to go out with their wife somewhere. Yes. And how I got treated as a butch person versus a man-looking person.
0: And I would like to just pause for a second and say this might be the only appropriate use of these song lyrics ever. Yes. Yes yes but yes i understand but, what you're saying but see and to me
1: the song lyrics are reappropriated in my brain long ago
0: you headcanoned that song to mean something completely different yes from drag trap lyrics yes okay
1: yes much like we reappropriate queer or mm-hmm. other things
0: So having been the butch with a girlfriend or a wife or a partner of female presentation, people treated you differently. And now being the dude, they treat you quote unquote normal? They think so. (laughs) I think it's rather odd. (laughs) I'm perplexed
1: by the dude bro talk.
0: Like when the waiter spilled your beer.
1: Yes. And he was like, didn't have something to wipe it up right away he he said some dude bro thing like i'll get that my man you know or whatever dude things guys say Mm -hmm. and i suppose that's like to me it's like some secret language that you know I wasn't part of growing up, and I know w- women have these these things too. And some of them, I think, are said as a, a bonding type thing. Mm-hmm. To to me, what sticks out more about that is with men and their dude bro talk is a bonding type interaction of for men. Yep. And I spilled your beer, but I need to say a dude thing to say sorry. And women have their their own things. They say sweetie and dear, and sometimes they say those things. The nice words, but really meaning, and you better. Sort
0: of the veiled aggression.
1: Yes. Because they can only have veiled aggression. Yes. And among themselves, they know what it means. And eventually it becomes memes for guys to try to understand, or some guys have understood When she says whatever, she means the farthest thing from whatever.
0: Yes. These are stereotypically feminine coded ways of interacting. Mm -hmm. Ways that women have been socialized to veil their aggression, their unpleasant emotions.
1: Right. And so that I'm familiar with because I was around a lot of women for a long time. Mm -hmm. And so I'm guessing the Dude bro thing is the other end of the code in some sense.
0: That even when I'm having positive emotions, I'm going to macho them up and gruff them up and yes. add a hint of aggression or machismo to them Right to make them palatable to other men.
1: Yes. Yes. Unless you were in like a completely queer atmosphere. And then the waiter could say, I'm sorry, sweetie, let me get that for you. Mm -hmm. And I would be very comfortable with that. Yes. The other stuff is just weird to me.
0: That's funny.
1: Well, and and that's my queer culture. Uh Uh-huh. The life I lived all this time that, that I got very used to because there's, there's an amount of safety in knowing what atmosphere you're in when the male waiter can say, let me get that for you, sweetie. Mm-hmm. You know, you're in a safe, you, the, the math is already done. The safety math safety is math done. Is, yes. This place was clear. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah. I totally get it. Mm-hmm. And the other side of that is how, like, women are always expected to be more social. And then we were at that restaurant where there was a very, very talky guy. And yes,
1: I couldn't see the people. Because I wasn't facing that way and because of the way areas are set up to be away from everybody. Uh, but you could see out. and But I could hear the talkie guy. And he just talked and talked and talked and talked.
0: I think the whole restaurant could hear the talkie guy, even with the socially distanced table spacing and everything else. The whole restaurant. And I think the socially distanced spacing may have contributed because there was a bunch of empty air for the yeah, sound so to I'm carry. Just thinking but thinking
1: that as you said it. Yeah. But anyhow, there was a talkie guy. And there's always a talkie guy. If you go somewhere, there's a talkie guy. He doesn't stop and I just said to you, Oh, there's a talkie guy. Yep. <laughs> there's the talkie guy. Yes. And you said yes. And and I realized that as a male perceived person in the world, I no longer have this pressure, like the looks or the pauses of why is this so called female bodied person not doing the talking?
0: We're being social. Why is that one not engaging in the social? Yes.
1: And there's the talky guy. And then there's, you know, and there's a lot of talky guys. And then there's a lot of not talky guys. And both ends are expected from men, the guy who won't shut up, don't Mm -hmm. be that guy. (laughs) And the guy who doesn't talk, which not as many people say, don't be that guy, but they should, because there needs to be some balance.
0: Depends on what kind of don't be that guy. I mean, like, if you're being just your quiet introvert self observing and contributing when you have something to contribute, but mostly just observing and engaging by observation, then I think that's mostly okay. We don't need to tell you, don't be that guy when you're just being chill.
1: No, but there are guys who don't talk out of a, it's, it's more of a cultural withdrawal. I don't need to talk to these women type of deal.
0: I got you now. Yeah. So. Yeah, don't be that guy. No. Don't be that guy. (laughs) Thank you for not being that guy.
1: You're welcome. I've, I've had to learn. I'm trying to learn, I should say, a balance between the comfort that I've taken out of not having that pressure to talk to socialize, not having that expectation of me and the understanding I have of how guys talk over women all the time and women shut up because they have to, they're expected to and so forth. And so I've, and then there's my comfort of my introvert self of, oh, I don't have to talk. Yay. (laughs) This is great. But getting too comfortable there and not talking. For instance, in, in my work atmosphere, when we have a meeting, there's only a few guys. And with my awareness that guys are very likely to run the women over and the women will just be quiet as soon as the guy starts running them over, because that's the thing. Unless you're our vice president and you say, I'm talking now.
0: <laughs> that's great. Which should happen. Yes, it should.
1: Uh That I get too comfortable and just don't say anything because I'm not really a guy who's going to run women over. So I need to find a a balance there. And that, that's also a personal struggle within the introvert factor. It's my understanding that my group of folks at work, at work, because I have, you know, experience in our field would like me to say more, give more feedback about things. So. I don't always find, I I don't know the way to move into the conversation because often someone is just talking. And when there's like, you know, a small group of people, uh, whether there's 10 or 12 people or whatever,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: somebody's waiting to talk. And when there's Zoom or Teams or that kind of stuff, you're going to talk over somebody if you just start talking and I'm, I'm not comfortable with it. so.
0: Well, in Zoom, there's the raise hand emoji or I had to learn these ways of entering a conversation because when I was younger, I used to just talk over people and I still do sometimes a lot. But like there are certain social cues that I can, we can discuss them later that are nonverbal and won't talk over other people, but will give them the cue that you are seeking a turn next.
1: Right. One of those I've learned is to turn your microphone on. Yes. And then they can see that that lights up and that you're ready to talk. Right. But that and the hand-raising thing, somebody has to be noticing that. Yeah. So, if you have a, a, a moderator or a group leader who's paying attention to the chat, and is paying attention to those cues, they might say, oh, it looks like so-and-so and so-and-so had something to say.
0: Yeah. And it's different in a Zoom meeting from how it is in person. But, mm-hmm. you know, there, there are those social cues that you can give that will say, I'm ready for a turn, but I'm going to be patient for it.
1: Yes. I think even in person, those cues are, I've I've lost some interpretation of my presentation, has lost some interpretation, not I have, but in my transition.
0: Because people are not accustomed to seeing male presenting people being patient. Wait their turn. They think, oh, somebody, you know, if you make one of those gestures that non-verbally says, I would like a turn to speak now, the thing of, you know, taking a breath like you're about to talk, but then holding it or catching your breath or, you know, leaning in or, you know, making a hand gesture, any of those things are often coded female Mm -hmm. socially because, those are habits that women have to have to be heard, but men don't. Mm-hmm. Men can just start talking.
1: Yes. Yes. They can also just stop talking. And I wish they would. Yeah. Well, <laughs> in the sense that my, my work wife has mentioned more than once how frustrating it's been to her that w- with uh, certain supervisors who were just difficult to deal with females, I could get up and walk away from the conversation and they can't do that. Mm-mm. And I could, and it was just very frustrating to her. Right. And I didn't even notice I did it. Oh. <laughs> but she's like, "Wow, that is okay, funny. That, that's something." Mm-hmm. But um, I, I thought I probably gave some sort of, "Okay, I'm," you know, like I'm looking at you, like, "Okay, here you see me standing. And I have to leave now." Yeah. Uh, type of deal, but and then just walked out. Whereas that can't be done. I think the other thing that would happen as a female perceived person is the other female perceived people in the group would turn and look at you if you hadn't talked yet. Yes. Like, and you're going to say your thing because it's your turn now. Yes. And as a guy, they're not going to make room for that for me. And that's okay. You know, I don't have a problem with that. But I have to figure out then how do I politely and appropriately join that conversation? Yes. hmm Interesting. Mm-hmm. The, the first thing that comes to mind is, is uh, only humorous in that I start with dude bro language.
0: That is funny. Yeah.
1: So like we're talking about children and I say, okay, my man, I see. Yep. I get you.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So speaking of not being very social, we did have a not convention this weekend. Yes, we did. And there were a number of social events to commemorate the absence of the convention this weekend. Yes. Yes and you know zoom lobby cons and chat rooms and hashtags and social watch alongs and yes things like that and you again you 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 got into these spaces and you just sat and watched i went on the periphery as most introverts will yes I did
1: mean to go back in and say something about that I was glad it was there, even if I didn't... Part- I only participated the same way I do in person. <laughs> but I had a lot of connectivity issues with my device. and
0: Yeah, we were at a cabin up the mountain, yeah. middle of nowhere, terrible Wi-Fi.
1: Yeah, so...
0: So... I hope that next year we can actually go and do the thing and you can be the helpful person with other people actually around.
1: Yes. And as I have gotten more used to the the con interactions that I've gotten also more comfortable with talking to people.
0: Yeah. And there's a meme that goes around occasionally that says, you know, the first line is something like... Why do people think of nerds as being like introverted and shy and quiet? And have you ever been to a convention? You get people started. And that's the second line is like you get people started in on their special interest and they just won't shut up. right? And so this is, you know, us going and doing the thing with the people who share our interest. And... Then they get talky.
1: They do. And some of them are willing to just talk and you might interject something or nod your head or whatever type of interaction that's pretty minimal. And I don't have the same types of strong opinions about those interests that some some of the folks at conventions do who are very into the production side or the scripts or other context of, you know, more specifically production of that time and etc. I don't have that. I, I'm interested in all of it. I wouldn't have thought of most of it. <laughs> and I enjoy that. But mostly I just enjoy watching the show. And so I don't have as much to say in those conversations. But I do find them very interesting but like just like the podcast, I've enjoyed recently listening to, and, and over time, uh, in particular when a podcaster is reviewing an older episode of Doctor Who, mm-hmm. and the, the the ways that they are talking about it because of their different special interests make me more interested in that episode than I might have been to go back and watch some old 1970s episode of this show.
0: Yeah, it's it's always neat to hear other people geeking out about their special interests, because even if it's not your special interest, the enthusiasm with which they describe it or um, explain it can can be a definite selling point. Which yeah. is why good teachers have to think that their subject is the most important and the coolest.
1: I see. Yeah, that's not how my field works.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's why you're not a teacher. Correct. I am a teacher of sorts, but it's... um, It's more tutoring. It's more one-on-one or small group. It's more... Yeah, it's a
1: coaching type deal. Yeah. You have to have the right information, the right training to be successful at the coaching. But it is more of a coaching. And it... And detective work, which is probably why I like detective stories so much.
0: Yeah. You have to figure out what the problem is and then teach people, coach people in how to solve their problems. Mm-hmm. Therapy doesn't solve the problems. Engaging with therapy solves the problems. Yes. <laughs> this is true. This is why our regular check-ins with uh, the boys' therapist are no longer as regular as they used to be. It's sort of a, oh, we're not actually getting anywhere anymore, so... We have you still available if we need you, and that's about it. Right. So is there anything else gendery about this weekend or about not con or about being social?
1: I don't know. Just like the grocery list.
0: I've probably forgotten something. Is that it for now then? (laughs) That's it. If you are considering transition, please seek professional assistance. If you are considering parenting while transitioning, you definitely need professional assistance. All contents are distributed under a Creative Commons no-derivative license and may be shared freely in their entirety. Any alteration or less-than-complete reproduction requires permissions of the hosts. Thanks for listening!
1: And all the life that happens around it, mostly over it, I think. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> what
0: I'm trying to think of an appropriate segue that adapts to your adaptations. <laughs> <laughs>